everyone and welcome to episode 21 of what's the chakkar my name is karan madhok and i'm the editor and co-founder of the chakkar the chakkar.com is an indian arts review a celebration of india's artistic creativity where we publish writing on indian music film literature theater art sports and more we also publish creative work like poetry fiction photography original art etc in this episode i will interview a number of guests on recent trends in music literature and film and tv from india and abroad In conversation today with Shasta Vaishnav, Anurag Tagat, and Pratik Santram, we will discuss books by Dinesh C. Sharma and Maggie O'Farrell, share new stoner doom music by Goat Smoke, and review the latest season of the Prime Video series Panchayat. So strap in and let's go around the chakkar. So Shasta Vaishnav joins us again on the chakkar. Shasta, welcome back. How are you doing? Hi, I'm all right, Karan. Thank you. How are so, you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's glad to have you back. It's it's fun to now reconnect on the stuff we've been reading. I know you've been feeling a bit ill, but you did say as a bright as a silver lining, you read yes. like an insane person during this. Yes, I finished. Years. I finished five books because I had nothing to do in isolation. I watched a documentary. I watched a couple of films, but my go-to, as always, uh, were books. Uh, so I finished. I caught up a lot. Uh, a lot on my reading. So. Uh, Uh, today I have a very special book to talk about, but first let's find out what you're reading. Yeah, so I read an Indian nonfiction book. It's called Indian Innovation by okay. Dinesh C. Sharma. So this is kind of so uh, published by Rolly Books earlier this year. Kind of an interesting book. So Dinesh Sharma is uh, he's a journalist and author. He's covered uh, Indian tech and science very closely, you know, over the years. And the sort of conceit of this book, I don't know if you can see, but like the The subtitle is "Hundred Ideas That Transformed India," but before yeah. that, there's a strike through subtitle, which is not Jugard. So basically, the conceit of this book is that it's against the Jugard stereotype. You know how, like, I mean, there have been business management books written about that, and people have often labeled, you know, every successful Indian innovation uh, as if it's come from some sort of shortcut or like some sort of ingenious fix, you know. Uh, and some sort of cultural advantage we have with this whole jugad thing yeah something like that you know uh, but but this uh, sharma's this history and this is uh, 75 years of indian in, uh, independence so innovation since indep- independence they take a look at innovation from a more rational sense like that every sort of fix for india every great leap in any innovation has actually come from like strong expertise in planning and uh, right. so so it's sort of like he is this is almost like in many ways this is a very clear cut reference book if there are 100 ideas so he finds these ideas that transformed india in you know in, in food water sanitation health transport it communications the governance arts education environment so so many different fields and he is finding innovations in all these different fields over the last something years you know mm-hmm. um, and you know it again as i said is written in a very reference way so you know for each innovation he one thing he's done is that he's added the key players for each innovation so okay. which means that these ideas weren't just conjured up by magic or you know it's kind of important for us to put a name and a face sometimes onto something good that's been done you know there's obviously a human hand um right whether it's an industrialist whether it's a politician whether it's an activist you know right. somebody like that yes yeah, so i must say like i 
you know, I learned a lot. <laughs> it was kind of useful to to realize the uh, like the behind the scene cogs of how everything works. You know, uh, I feel like we as Indians, we often feel, like, especially me, I'm from East UP, so we feel like nothing works. You know, so we either feel like that nothing works, or or We're the best. <laughs> or, or if something does work, we mm. sort of take it for granted. Like, oh, now we expect it to work. You know, like our, yeah. if if we have a functional water system for example, and not, you don't always do, you know, I grew up not always having that, but, but when we do have it, it's like, okay, so, so what was the innovation that made possible to, to get water in such a high population, you know, for example, uh, right. you know, so st- stuff like that. So I think what Sharma does in his book is that he shows that it's, there wasn't just a fluke, you know, uh, that there were often some great innovations behind, uh, behind yeah. something. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. He, he starts the book off with uh, the early days of independence with the revolutions, so India had the green revolution, which was an agricultural revolution and uh, a white revolution, which is a revolution of getting milk out to, mm-hmm. to, to a number of Indians, you know. And post-independence India, you know, we were a country with such few resources. I mean, th- there was a lot of, of famine, lo- a lot of starving, a lo- lot of hunger. And he talks about how like these science-led revolutions, very scientific focus, how these revolutions actually helped change, uh, not only change our history, change our economy, change the way people lived, you know, in those early days. So it's kind of, again, the stuff that we take for granted our ancestors, and I don't even mean that long ago, our grandparents' age, probably saw these really dramatic innovations happen that, that honestly may have saved, you know, millions and millions of lives, you know? Right. Um, it's a really optimistic book. Like, it's looking at the, the good and everything, which is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a cynical person, I guess. You know, I doubt everything. That's, a, that's any sort of government project, any sort of big industrial project. I'm like, okay, who is profiting and who is suffering? If I have everything that those are my two questions by Sharma's book we get we get one side of the story which is the positives of the innovation itself you know and I understand like we sometimes we get so fixated by finding the flaws that we forget that okay something good actually works is it a very patriotic book Karan? like does it sound like you know is it it's it's not patriotic it's uh, as, as I said it's it's optimistic like in the sense it's not like uh, rah rah India is better than xyz it's more like mm-hmm. In India developed, for example, uh, they talk about the person who who the film uh, Padman was based on, the Akshay Kumar movie. The, yes. The, the person who, the, who helped a lot of like sanitary health for women in villages in India, you know? Yes. So they talk about like how he, he helped change a lot and then how then similar, um, similar innovations were copied by other developing countries around the world. So, in, so it's, it's, it's not like rara patriotic. So that would have been kind of annoying. But it is a bit optimistic and and it's it's fiercely apolitical like it's aggressively <laughs> not taking a side not criticizing any government directly whether it's a state government uh, a national government it's it's sort of uh, it, it it indirectly mentions every once in a while whenever something um whenever it's a government decision was criticized for anything but in general it's it sticks to the innovations itself uh. and, and i would say you know p- part of that uh, optimism is stretches out to a lot of there's a lot of stats in this um a lot of like educational stats they were really helpful uh, mm-hmm. but the stats were sort of taken at face value now once again we as indians we sort of we know not to fully trust you know any government data whether it's you know the number under the poverty line the number who died with covid stuff like that you know uh, the numbers enrolled in schools in india uh, but but this book again like it takes those stats in more or less face value but I did find a lot of stuff interesting. You know, some of the innovations uh, he talks about 
the Maruti 800 car as an innovation. Like how oh. Maruti Udyog and uh, Suzuki, they came together and, you know, until then, India had these ambassador cars that really did not function well in Indian conditions. Yeah. So, talk about how they, they innovated a car, basically, uh, that, that would work on Indian roads and that fit the Indian budget. And it changed the country. Like, everyone who had a car had this car at some point, right? Yes, um, There was an innovation. Uh, he spoke, talked about the, the STD, ISD, PCO booths as an innovation. Because ah. not every household could own a phone in India. Yeah. Uh, India was the first place to innovate an idea like that, you know. Oh. Um, they talk about, um, and then on the other end, there's also innovations that are not physical, like the RTI law is an innovation. Yes. Uh, the right to information is an innovation of India. Um, even down to the most recent ones, he considers the IPL, the cricket league, as an innovation mm-hmm. on how to remix cricket. So it's like it's it's this disparate. It's all over the place, and it, and it it lists you know hundred things in in that sense, you know. You know, I, I, I read mostly fiction, but I do want to know, you know, I, I, I want to have referential knowledge of how things work in this country and how history has, how recently problems have been solved, you know, because mm. fiction can give you imagination, but you need to be grounded as well, right? Um, Definitely. Yeah. In that sense, you know, uh, I, I would say more than us, this is, this will be useful for students. I would say like high school students, college students. Uh, I would say this would be like a really good reference reference for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and anyone interested in Indian sciences and Indian science and contemporary history, just don't yeah. expect too much critical breakdown of each theme. It, it's sort of skimming over the surface. Sure. Uh, I mean, 100 innovations is a lot to cover. But yeah, yeah it was overall, as I said, it, it, was a, it, it, it was an educational read and I learned a lot. Yeah. Very different from what you usually read. Huh? Yeah, so- yeah. One, it was something... You know, there was only so much fiction I, I can talk about every week, every month. No, no, I know, I know. And on that topic, because, um, you know, I was just thinking recently that I've actually stopped reading fiction the way I used to. Like okay. one of my best friends, he only reads nonfiction. And I was like, I, I used to wonder, how is that possible even? How, how do you only read nonfiction? And now I'm starting to understand what he's saying because I really enjoy nonfiction a lot more than fiction these days. I feel like for fiction, you have to be in a space. Like you have to lose yourself. You have to lose yourself in a different world you have to be ready for that uh whereas for non-fiction I feel like you're genuinely and not just learning something but I have I am really really attracted to non-fiction books which have great craft right Mm. like personal essay books like nowadays I've just I'm loving uh books that are personal essays or for example another book I do want to talk about on one of our forthcoming uh podcasts is uh, a book packed with statistics about India because mm. we were talking about that called Desperately Seeking Shahrukh. Yes, yes, yeah. Abuse, which I will talk about. You have teased that for, for a long time. Yes, I have, I know. And I finished it and it's such a good book. I can't okay, tell fantastic. you. Fantastic, yeah. Yes, but today I want to talk about uh, the craft of, of nonfiction when it comes to personal essays. Like, for example, mm, so I'm reading a recommendation by somebody I really admire. Uh, she's a writer, of course. You must have heard of her, Rega Jha. She's a... Uh, uh, she used to head BuzzFeed and now she like, and then she like sort of, uh, you know, did her own thing, quit and did her own thing. And now she's writing and she's really, really hacked the, the new age reader in that sense, because we keep saying that people don't buy books, people don't read books nowadays. And what she's done is she's got a newsletter format where people pay yeah. for a weekly newsletter and where you pay to read her writing, basically. Um, so in one of those newsletters, she recommended her inspirations, like, you know, who, and one of them was Maggie, O'Fa- uh, Maggie O'Farrell uh, with I Am, I Am, I Am. Yeah. 
So this is a book of personal essays. Okay, seventeen personal essays, which are seventeen brushes with death. Oh, so, I've heard about this one. Yeah, yeah. So it's her life. It's her life told through seventeen brushes with death. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a perfect read for a hypochondriac like me because every mm-hmm. chapter begins with a body part, the body part that was threatened. So, for example, it says head, you know, a head, nineteen seventy-five, or it'll say lungs, two thousand two, or cerebellum, okay. you know. So mm-hmm. the different, and of course, these are some of them are very tiny brushes with death, where you know, which all of us have had in our life, like she almost got run over, or she almost drowned in a riptide. You know what I mean? Like small, not small, but slightly less significant but some of them are, are really crazy like she uh, almost got raped like she literally uh, like saved herself uh, from getting raped and killed she had this crazy mis- uh, not miscarriage but she had a crazy birth where her intestines almost came out during the c section and it was yeah i know it's very gory but the reason i absolutely love this book is the craft you get completely like drawn into her life and in such a unique concept right and one would think oh my god like brushes with death i don't want to read about that but it's not it's not all dark it's a it's just a creative way to talk about her life without someone being like okay why would i care about your trip to spain about your boyfriend about your child and and your miscarriage the fact is she's made it really really engaging and this is what i aspire to right the idea is you only write about what you know and you write about your own life because that's what you know best but then how do you really <laughs> make it engaging you know and she's she's fabulous and i get why rega was inspired by her because um not for one moment do you feel bored or do you feel like okay what am i reading yeah at at the end of some essays you may feel like okay she embellished that one a little bit like okay yes it what was it or truck scraped her skin on the road how many times have we jumped out of the way of traffic here i mean literally living in india that is something we do on a daily basis almost you know, indian but, version of that would be like 17000 brushes with death exactly. on my way to work today we now would that be the exactly. remix to that it literally literally exactly and then but then you realize that of course that's for effect but then most of the essays are absolutely like like it's stunning writing the writing is fabulous i would recommend that everyone read this so uh, i i'm i have two essays or something left um i think the ones where she talks about her children's brushes with death which are you know i mean <laughs> i don't have a child but i'm guessing even worse but um but yeah so i i mean and it's so quick because each essay is two three pages two three pages so you sort of get through it quickly you know and uh, so yeah i'm i'm loving this book and uh, that's what i read uh, that's what i chose to talk about i read a lot <laughs> but it's, i chose it's an interesting way to um, i i'd also heard about this book a few years ago i think when it first came out and i i just remember thinking that th- this is such a fresh and unique way as you mentioned to write an autobiography because you know autobiographies are uninteresting unless something unless you are an exceptional person or you know you've had the kind of experience that literally no one on you know very few people on earth have had but if you're a good writer and you feel your your life can tell you enough or your life is interesting enough how do you make an autobiography interesting and i think yeah i feel that future autobiographies have to like i i feel that books like this raise the stakes a bit because exactly. not i don't want to read a book just like my life here's what <laughs> happened chronically you know like i yeah. i i need some kind of creative challenge and i feel um for for the author here i think she 
it, it, it was such a creative challenge for her to be, you know what, I'm going to tell my life story, but in the way that almost died. And, and, yeah, and that's, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, that's, that, a, that's the US piece of the Exactly. Yeah. And she won an award for this. This is a fairly recent book, 2018. She's like generally an award-winning novelist. Um, but and you know what I what I really loved is that that you're right. I mean, it's a very ordinary life. Today, every single life is extraordinary, right? If you look at it. Like all of us are survivors in our own way. But if you, if you have to really write about it, like how do you write about it uh, in a way that is interesting, like you said. So that I feel like she's done superbly, you know. So uh, I'm really enjoying it. I really want to read her other book, which is, uh, which is supposed to be the one she's very famous for called The Hand That First Held Mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and her first novel, was, which is After You'd Gone. Okay. So these are uh, both like very highly acclaimed award-winning novels. In fact, I, I was looking for a picture of her. I said, I want to see who this woman is. It seems like in this book, it seems like she survived so much, mm. like strange diseases, her intestines coming out, her thousands of miscarriages and avoiding rape and this and that. So many things. And she's still thriving and alive and traveling all over the world. And she has three kids and writing award-winning novels. Mm. So she actually makes you think like, you know what? If I can do this, anyone can do this. You know. She so, she also wrote Hamnet, didn't she? I think yeah, she's the yes. one who yeah, and which has been uh, one of the best reviewed novels of the last couple of years. Correct. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. it's her craft. It's her craft that draws you in, and you really you end up. That's what I, I was saying. I was like, wow, this woman is. If she can do it, anyone can do it. But mm. it's not that. It's not that. It's the way she's written about it. All of us have been through a lot of issues, right? A lot of problems in our li- in a lifetime. But it's the way you write about it that makes one feel, um, you know. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's a must read. And I'm very happy to have discovered this. And that's mm. why I'm very happy to be reading newsletters and this new mm. format of yeah, writing, yeah. you know. Like, literally, Karan, my, my inbox is filled with Substack newsletters, like maybe <laughs> 10 or 15 wow. every week. And I sort of try and filter. But mm. each of them has, has such good writing, you know, like whether it's Marie Andrew, whether it's Rega, whether it's, uh, you know, a lot a lot of these foreign writers also, Austin Cleon and all, they are more about like focused stuff, but some of them are great writers. Mm. So it's constantly pushing you towards, uh, even yeah. just subconsciously your craft becomes better when you're reading such good writing. That's for sure. So, That's for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing. And uh we both sort of read nonfiction this month. Yes, you know, yes. You, you read a person's autobiography. I read sort of a country's autobiography in a way, mm-hmm. a country's biography. Uh, thanks for sharing, Shasta. I think you read Thank Maggie you. O'Farrell's I Am, I Am, I Am. And I yes. had Dinesh Sharma's Indian Innovation. Uh, awesome. Thank you again. I will catch you in a month. Yes, thanks, Karan. Anurag Tagar joins us once again from Bangalore. Anurag, how are you doing? Hey, Karan. Yeah, I'm doing well. Glad to be on uh, the Chakar, watch the Chakar once again. Uh, so, yeah. Bangalore, Bangalore, have you have you picked yet? <laughs> um, no, actually. I think it's, I, I more, more often say Bangalore. So, in your, in, in your work, like, you know, because there are so many great Bangalore based bands including the one we're going to reference today, when you write about them, are you, are you doing Bengaluru-based? Are you doing Bangalore? Like, where do you stand on the, on the editorial side, on the writing side of, you know, of, of, of naming your own city? 
Right. I think on that side, yeah, I do. I do stick with the most uh, most up to date names. So yeah, I go with Bengaluru for that. And I think maybe for some other publications, like sometimes I'll I'll just leave it as Bangalore and see what happens and, and leave happens, it to the editors. Uh, so I mean, what's interesting is I think you know I'm I'm not going too far in the political side of things, but but I feel a lot of like uh, locals in the city still. I, it's hard to get rid of. It's the same as people who live in Gurugram and and they're being asked to say Gurugram. It's it's not going to happen. Like very few people actually yeah. use it. So my follow-up to that is, I, I know we're already off to a wild tangent, but it, I find this very interesting. My follow-up to that is, when you're at a live show uh, and you know, bands love to say, come on, Delhi, whatever. So are bands saying, come on, Bangalore, or are they saying, come on, Bengaluru? Like we're, yeah, where that surprisingly, yeah su- surprisingly, they're saying both. But I've, I've actually been seeing a lot of bands saying Bengaluru. For, I don't know if it's for, for fear of reprisal or, or what from uh, <laughs> you know, local folks. But yeah, like I've mo- seen uh, most of them say that Obviously, the more local bands will still, older local bands will still stick with Bangalore. I don't know. It's a, it's yeah. a mixed bag. <laughs> it's, it's it's complicated. I, I guess like Bombay, Mumbai has been long enough for people to be used to it. Chennai, Madras, same with, with that, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. But but I don't know, like Bengaluru and Guru Gram, they just feel clunky to me so far. And Prayagraj, <laughs> let's not even go there. Like that's the ill point of the Allahabad to me. But anyways, let's talk about music. <laughs> uh, what have you been listening to recently? Uh, what's been new? What's been hot for you, you know, the last few months or so? Yeah, it's, it's been good, you know, just uh, so many releases that have been coming out, so many things that just to keep up with, like one of them was obviously uh, like See Them Out and Says on the Beat, uh, new album, Nayab, like that was quite, quite yeah, just a really well thought out album, well planned out album, really love that one. Also been listening to Tanmaya Bhatnagar. Uh, we had spoken about her before. So uh, she, she's usually been like so much more in the melancholic, almost like morose kind of uh, singer-songwriter space. And like suddenly she just came out with this very vibrant kind of pop song, uh, happy kind of pop song uh, called uh, Kyu Hota Hai. And uh, that was also really nice, uh, complete with like a music video that's very, uh, yeah, just like uh, gives off that vibe that she she's moving in a different direction and she's taking risks and all of which is you know like is great. Like of course doesn't take away from the fact that it's releasing on a on a sub label of Sony Music, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm glad like you know she has the support behind her to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I watched that video too, and uh, I really got you know I mean of course there's no such genre as indie pop like it used to be in the '90s. You know the the Alicia Chinoy Baba Segal era basically but 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 this like highly well produced and kind of like very pop video it reminded me almost like those late 90s no doubt kind of videos you know like it, I was like this to me is the closest I've seen of indie pop in 20 years or something you know I don't know if you got that feeling off of, off of her music yeah yeah you, you'd be surprised like I mean um because there's there's an art, Indian origin artist in the U.S. named Ravina Arora who pretty much gives off a very similar vibe. And, you know, Tanmaya also counts her as like sort of an influence that way that uh, Ravina has this very much builds on this sort of nostalgia of early, maybe 90s, uh, 2000s kind of like uh, visual aesthetic and even the sound and stuff, uh, except I guess she's singing more in uh, English itself. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really something, you know, that I guess, yeah, that nostalgia never really goes out of style. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. We want to talk about the, the, the band you chose for this month's uh, song of the month the the band is goat smoke and this is a bangalore based band <laughs> we could say bangalore based <laughs> band um 
uh, formed in 2019. And uh, I, I'm guessing this is the debut EP. What's the scene, Bob? Um, so just released, I think, a couple of months ago. What is the story of Goat Smoke? Like they, it, 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 this being a debut EP, it sounds incredibly sharp, incredibly polished. It sounds like these guys have been in the game for a decade. So, so how did they manage it with the very first release? I mean, I'm honestly wondering the same as you because, you know, they came together in 2019 and I think they may have played like a handful of gigs at best and I definitely missed seeing them. So like Coachmoke didn't show up on my radar until until this album came out, in fact. Um, so yeah, man, like uh, I sort of really wonder about, um, yeah, just like uh, I, I mostly think about it in terms of the pandemic and, you know, lockdowns, how those sort of like, I mean, they took away two years from a band like Goatsmoke, right? Like in a sense, like they came out in 2019, 2019 and 2020, 2021, uh, most of it was probably gone for them. So mm-hmm. I guess they utilized that to really put together this album. Um, and I think may- maybe that's what it is, you know, there's a lot of like pandemic projects that way for lack of a better term that, uh, it took time, really finessed things. And like you said, like, you know, it really shows in the music. Like, it's very, like, really well put together. Yeah, a, a lot of uh, solo acts, whether they were, like, singer-songwriters or electronic kind of um, acts, they were able to still put out, be pretty, ha- have a big output. And, and, and not just have a big output during the pandemic, but put themselves out there. Because all they needed was a camera, Zoom, a guitar, or if they're DJs or whatever, like they can they can keep producing music. But I guess for bands like Goat Smoke, who I mean I haven't seen them live, but I imagine just listening to the EP, like their whole sound is molded towards being enjoyed live. You know, I, I guess it probably it probably served them better to wait. But but it I, I, it must have it must have taken a lot of patience to wait all these years to put out what is clearly a, a great album. Uh, you know, so the song that we uh, sort of fell upon is Concrete Surfer, which is uh, and instrumental and I I mean it it just felt to me from the moment you know I, I heard that early riff I was like this is just an old school kind of clean drum intro powerful riff um, like I, I really felt that if you if you're listening to this opening riff and you're not nodding your head along something is wrong with you like it, it doesn't matter what <laughs> genre of music like it's 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 like th- this is the definition of head nodding and then later head banging music right totally I mean I think like the fact that there's just this sense of rhythm that they have, just this sense of like, yeah, just chugging along with those riffs, like all of those things add up so well on what is essentially an instrumental track, right? Like, I mean, it's they, they have vocals on some of the other tracks on their album, but uh, this one is the wholly instrumental song, which means that, you know, I, I feel like they wanted to, this was more about like uh, conveying something uh, through through the riffs, you know, and through through the sound. And I think through the songwriting more than just like, whether they're vocals or, you know, I mean, anyway, most heavy bands tend to use vocals more as an instrument in and of itself rather than, you know, necessarily say it too much lyrically. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it that way. Uh, Ghostmoke did have an EP launched just last week in Bangalore. So again, you can imagine like, you know, that they must have definitely toiled quite a bit to, you know, finish this album. And now then just now they, is when they actually got to do an EP launch. Uh, you know, and I think Bangalore does have a fair bunch of like, you know, sort of stoner, doom, sludge kind of bands like in this heavy space. And uh, yeah, ho- hopefully sooner or later, you know, they'll come around again to get another gig. Well, I'm glad you said what you uh, just right now, because it's it's reminded me of a question I had. This is my last question. You know, they, they, they describe themselves as stoner doom or stoner sludge. Explain to a layman what is stoner doom music? 
Uh, I mean, it's it's essentially some obviously most genres and labels and things like that probably start out to some journalists only who didn't have like anything better to do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would I would say that you know Black Sabbath is technically stoner doom sludge all rolled into one. So what what used to probably be called heavy metal back mm. then, and then you know obviously the sound of metal itself uh, splintered later on into various subgenres. Uh, so I guess. What what sort of bands looked up bands who looked up to Black Sabbath? I think they're very much in that. It, it's sort of like a slow uh, tempo sort of thing, or you know, it's definitely punctuated by these kind of skunky, like you know, atmospheric kind of riffs. Um, that's that's usually what Stoner Doom stands for. Uh, there's a lot of great bands out there uh, who who play this kind of music, uh, and of course. Uh, stoner rock means that it is associated with like the stoner culture of like you know just smoking yeah. up and like maybe listening to this kind of music enjoying it um and maybe the people who produce it as well are uh, under that um and the doom part of it is i think when when you know i think uh, the best way to describe it would be that there's just a sinister vibe about it like you know stoner uh, rock and doom are all, not not necessarily synonymous but yeah there's always like something going on there that's uh, more about the tempo as well as just like the the sort of sound it gives off yeah and, and i would i would even extend that to say like the re- the other songs in this ep uh, what's the scene bob there's also a very fresh like punk sound to them you know and it's and i think they so so they mix it up and I, I almost feel like as i asked you that question i almost regretted it because i feel like we don't want to box them in into one genre like they they do metal they do punk they do like just like some of the riffs are just like old school acdc-esque rock some of the riffs as you said black sabbath so th- there's a lot of different influences which you hear on on this album but yeah i was uh I, I was i was really happy with the song it really led the rhythm guitarist cook i think his name is abhishek gadella he was he, and then of course like um the the powerful solo in the end anurag before we let you go anything else you want to add about this band this song uh, I would just say go and check them out on Bandcamp by their music because that helps them directly in as most uh, as direct a way as possible compared to other things. And they've been doing quite well on Bandcamp, so all the more reason to join that crowd. For sure. So here is to the, our song of the month for this month. It's Goat Smoke's Concrete Surfer.
Pratik Santram is here from Landor and Pratik, we're going to talk about the OTT web series Panchayat. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So you rushed through both the seasons. Uh, back yeah, man. I binged it in like, I think three days I finished. And for me, that's that's like something that I haven't done in a long time, like with the series. Partly because, yes, we had, we, we had to uh, talk about it, but also because I enjoyed it. I, I can't do something. I can't binge something in three, four yeah. days that quickly. But yeah. you know, within a week or ten days, I could do it. And 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 this is it's so light. It's mostly. light. Um, it's, it's, it's 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 such a light <laughs> series that it's kind of easy just to like to to walk to watch it the whole way through. Yeah, sab record ho raha hai. Socha safe side ke liye apply kar deta hu. Easy to crack job hai. Graduation time pe koi ek job hogi dikhane ke liye. Unfortunately, bas ab bhai ek job hath mein. अरे हाँ विनोद जी अगले हफ्ते सीट लग जाएगा मैं खुद आके लगा के जाऊंगा जब तक सीट नहीं लग जाता कहीं और जाके हक ले कहा जाके हक ले पंचायत ऑफिस में आ सकता है अरे लेकिन आप लोगों के लिए ऑफिस है मेरे लिए तो घर ही है कभी यहाँ बराट टिकवा देते हैं कभी किसी को हकने भेज रहे हैं मतलब क्या प्रधान जी uh it's a comedy drama web series created by the viral fever and it's on amazon prime uh written by chandan kumar directed by deepak kumar mishra and it's about uh an engineering graduate uh his name is abhishek it, instead i think he doesn't get placed as he would like to so he instead has to join as a panchayat secretary in a fictional village called fulera in uttar pradesh he doesn't get better job options uh and so the first season of panchayat i it's 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 such an interesting premise right because i feel like it it it's a classic fish out of the water story where you have a young man who has ambitions to maybe go abroad but he is like <laughs> sent to the the most grassroots of india to like really fix the country to work in the yeah. country's smallest issues from from the very quote unquote bottom so to say you know so he is uh, like and we and i felt that we as the viewers of the show anyone who's watching the show if if you have the privilege to watch this on amazon prime or internet you're more likely to be like abhishek and not yeah. like the people in the village so so he is like the filter you know through which we sort of are watching this show uh, like yeah. he I, i wrote in my review uh, that he is sort of like the tour guide for us of like Kinder, rural yeah. india you know yeah um and i think like this show was really popular it a kind of a surprise hit it, uh, and its popularity i think like i mean there are many reasons one of the reasons for popularity was i think it's it sort of filtered through um you know all the distractions of the city world of india i i mean so you and i also spend a lot of time in a small town masuri and it's like yeah. it's a similar vibe in the sense that like the problems are very localized like the, yeah. the the small town rumors the small town dramas are like seem like the end of the world to us and mm-hmm. in in a way it's kind of fun to 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 it's uh, refreshing to have those stories told instead of you know every story being about the make or break of the country you know uh, <laughs> like that i was going to start with that as well because in fact when you when you said that oh let's do panchayat i hadn't even seen season 1 mm-hmm. so when i was watching it and throughout season 1 and for a good part of season 2 i was like this is such a great light show as you said uh, it's it's a fun watch doesn't really get super serious uh, i mean the issues that we i think we'll talk about just now do get like serious for the characters in the show but for us as viewers it's great uh and just going back to like what you said about like even though we, like we have stayed in small towns but a village is different we are very urbanized and the very few times uh, unfortunately that i have uh, spent and i'm saying unfortunately because i haven't spent that much time but i would love to spend more time in like rural india few few times i have spent over there you actually feel like that especially in the beginning when abhishek is adjusting to it if you have ever spent any time time in like an actual village 
you actually all of that came rushing back i was like yeah that that's exactly what it feels like yeah and w- one thing i must say like and i think we might talk about this later but the characters of the villagers at least they haven't been shown as dolts they haven't been shown as literally village idiots <laughs> like yeah. they they have been shown as very capable very simple in some ways but they haven't been sh- so, uh, shown as simple minded you know what i mean like it's it doesn't disrespect uh, villagers which a lot of movies probably tv shows also they kind of that's an easy laugh but nowhere do we get that from the show that oh we have to laugh because they don't know what the internet is for example we we that's, you don't see that that's a good way of putting it because i feel like that stereotype is is used a lot in indian film and indian tv and in, whatever in, in our media that you know mm-hmm. um that, that that the villager has come to the city and and the villager he or she doesn't understand the city yeah and there's either tragedy in that or there's humor in that mm-hmm. whereas this flips the concept so it's like the, the city person is the mm-hmm. one who's frustrated and and is kind of we are laughing at the city folk we're laughing at the we're laughing at his problems we'll you know um this the tragic comedy in him trying to fit in even when they're even when we're making fun of some village things it's like everyone is in on the joke you know the the villagers themselves are in on the joke i mean yeah. one of my favorite episodes was uh, the one where the guy doesn't have a toilet built in his house so he's adamant to take a shit out in the farm while yeah. the, the the local um, i think the dm is visiting you know yeah. and it's just just the hilarity and absurdity of that was uh, it blew me away because you know again to be fair we act like we are from big cities but we are also from parts of up which we are not that far away i mean i yeah, yeah. there's more open defecation in my hometown than a lot of indian villages you know correct <laughs> so correct. it's like i think a lot of city indians would shouldn't be too quick to judge right uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you completely right about the the, the local the, the village characters they are excellent you know um, the series also stars ragubir yadav neela gupta oh chandra kasal malik um so uh, so season 1 spoiler alert uh, we're going to talk about season 2 so we, we're going to give the spoiler for the first one uh, i ended with abhishek he, abhishek is basically studying for his cat exams he wants to get the hell out of there you yeah, know yeah. uh, he does really badly so he has he's forced to spend more time in fulera um but the season ends with him seeing rinki uh, who's the pradhan's daughter Not for the yet. first time at top of the water tank and he feels like kind of optimistic okay like there's at least some silver lining to to staying here you know um so one of the delights i found in now watching season 2 we're going to focus on the second season uh, particularly mm. is that uh, except for rinki who is the one main new character we are sort of already established with everyone else so yeah. um uh, manju devi who's the real prathan she's <laughs> it's in her name she um, yeah. her husband dubey ji um everyone else who are who are the main characters we know who they are we know their tendencies we know what's funny about them so now they're just allowed to grow we're not looking at them as like oh these exotic creatures let's learn about them you know we know who they are and they yeah. are growing as just as abhishek is growing right that gimmick of like i said fish of the water that gimmick is over so like you know now we are just in the ecosystem and we are like moving on along with it yeah then there no more surprises for abhishek there he's he in fact has a think uh, and i probably it's, it has to do with him meeting rinki uh, but it prob- it definitely like he's trying to not just be a part of it but he actually sees them as i mean eventually i mean this is not a spoiler but eventually he, he looks at them as a family yeah. but uh, he he kind of accepts them and he accepts his place there and he almost starts liking it 
even though he gets frustrated with the some village concepts from time to time yeah uh, but yeah i think he's so and i think us as viewers also have kind of understood that there is no i mean there is a villain so to speak <laughs> a villain character but that was also he's a hilarious character really well done the guy who uh, who who's rivals with the pradhan i i, I don't remember the character's name but yeah so so you know that there is no like there's no going to be like any surprises well there no there there's no like twists and turns of that sort that we are used to you know there's yeah. we know what the characters are like no no like cheap shocks in that way no like, cheap no, shocks like, yeah. anything is earned and and so so you had mentioned earlier that you know that despite despite it being framed or or despite a lot of people who haven't seen the show let's just say who might think of this as like oh simple village stories simple village problems it's not like there there are a lot of uh, both urgent needs you know for example we talked about the toilet like mm. there's hilarity in that but also it's an urgency in that that this person needs a toilet in the house and like the, the toilet breaks on the way to to <laughs> get into uh, vikas drops the toilet and you know they the, the, they find humor in that but also there is like a serious urgency to that right so so there's uh, what i love about the show it can take something that's urgent but also like larger philosophical debates about like women who are leaders and how they bargain and you know how the men and women bargain with each other and how for example when when the main characters go to the mla and then in in the episode called uh, okat where he's really insulted where he thinks he's the more educated person but all of a sudden he's quote and quote shown his place so like I, i i love that there's a bit of both you know there's that negotiation of price of the soil um yeah. there's that accusation about stolen slippers when the cctv camera was <laughs> put then there's a big issue of fixing the village road and then yeah. the in and in, in some sub characters land up in in lockup for a while so it's like <laughs> it i really love how they how they were able to like blend both things both the urgent and the long term the philosophical or the political in a way and yeah. i mean political very lightly yeah yeah actually that's that was my one of my criticisms of like season 1 mm. uh and i'm glad they brought it up in season 2 because because it's based around politics it's based around village politics even though they don't get very heavily into it mm. but it's based around that right that's panchayat that's the name of the show but they don't talk about things in season 1 they don't talk about things like corruption mm. which i think was a welcome change because you don't want to keep seeing the same thing but they didn't men or there's almost no mention of it at all yeah in yeah. season 1 yeah. in season 2 they do bring it up you know uh with the mla and all uh, again they don't focus so there's not been a episode focused on corruption as mm. as of yet but they kind of they kind of allude to it they kind of you know show us the darker side of indian politics also which actually is a welcome change because you don't want to see the same thing you know they i mean i i don't know what they'll do in season 3 but they haven't really spoken about like caste for example but they have spoken about things like overpopulation uh, you know in the first season and which kind of continues there's a kind of a, a spillover into the second season as well so i'm i'm actually yeah it is a it is a really really great show in the sense of all these issues that you were saying that they bring up urgent issues they bring up real issues but it never becomes overbearing even though it's a light it's mostly a light show it doesn't shy away from some realities of oh, life yeah. So so what you mentioned about season 3 and hopefully you know uh, will it will it delve into the questions of caste I would also be very curious about that because it, it took somewhat of a risk in season 2 to to delve into more serious issues I wonder mm-hmm. if 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 they will go talk more they, they have somewhat spoken about um the gender issues 
I, I want to see them speak about caste issues. I want to see them speak about religious issues. Like, are there are there Muslims in this village? Yeah, you know, that's like, actually something it's, it's that they haven't un, um, Unquestioned. Is there uh, caste you mentioned? What about like? I mean, we hear about the financial and economic concerns of Abhishek, who's hmm. who is someone who's earning a better salary than most people in the village, but aspires to earn a salary like his friend Sidhu, who's like earning in crores, right? But what about the economic and financial conditions of the the absolute abjectly poor? Like, what happens if there's a bad a bad year for rains and and the farmers mm. can't grow their crops? Mm. You know, like mm. um, what happens if you know X Y Z? Like is, is, is someone falls in a heavy debt and they have to like make a real sacrifice in the life uh, economically. So the the three or four real serious issues. Um, again. this is a comedy so we don't really expect this show to be the answer but mm. we have also seen it brave enough to kind of test the waters of seriousness mm. and i'll be yeah. curious to know how it continues to do that in the future yeah and just a shout out to like uh, i mean everything is great the story stories are great the 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 the, the world they they've built is really great uh, mm-hmm. of the village but just the characters and the actors i mean I mean, you you see very familiar faces uh, like Raghuvir Yadav, Nina Gupta, yeah. who who obviously are amazing artists. But also the new people, people we've kind of seen some sometimes, but not really. Uh, Faisal Malik, for example, yes. what a standout performance! Like I, I, I honestly like every time he would come on screen, I would like like the show even more. And and uh, the Sahayak uh, Vikas. Vikas. I mean, uh, the funny thing is. uh we know a vikas all everyone of us know a vikas yeah. everyone knows a vikas you and know? you can't get angry at vikas you are you like can't get angry at vikas vikas leaves most of the time he just leaves half the day like i have to I have to go back home to my wife <laughs> have to massage her feet and it's just like and abhishek's face is all of us we're like okay man sure <laughs> go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah um, but uh, any other um, favorite moments favorite scenes from this season that we haven't mentioned anything you'd like to flag i mean honestly just just to let people know like if who haven't seen it it's still a comedy like through and through like all uh, how many eight episodes in this yes. so all eight episodes are funny right yeah. it does it does become a little serious but yeah don't don't yeah it it definitely remains on the lighter side of things but that episode where sidhu his friend comes to visit and they all go to this The way they drink beer, I, oh, I, yes. I, I love the concept. You know, I, I love that. that. Yeah, yeah. I love the hi. It's just a, and uh, and it's all the so much preparation and so much like thing goes into it, and um, you know whatever ensues there. Uh, yeah. It's just I I think I think that was great, and it's nothing like outstanding, so to speak, uh, story wise. But it is it's a great sequence, like from the time they make the plan to the time they actually get to the place. Yeah, yeah. What happens after that? Yeah. Uh, it just stood out for me. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to season three. Also, just saying, they also have the best village market name of all times, Fakoli Bazaar. <laughs> I don't know if they, who came up with that, but that was genius. Fakoli like, Bazaar, like yeah, why not? One of the scenes I loved, or one of the like sort of storylines I loved, was um, when. Uh, when they're going to meet rinki's potential fiance's family ah uh, yeah and there's yeah. a mix up between the restaurants restaurants both the, the 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 husband the, the boy side and the girl side both go to this uh, uh, different restaurants with the same name 
potentially uh but you know they're kind of desperate for the shaadi so they're, yeah. they're going ahead with it but it all comes to his forefront not in some not because of some major like serious incident not because somebody slapped somebody or someone insulted somebody just because both sides refused to to Go leave to the, the restaurant they were like we've already made the reservation and played the advance we are going to sit here and the other side also says we are going to sit in our restaurant and and by the end of it i'm i'm like he's like you know i'm still going to pack the chili paneer and go home this is like <laughs> so i just everything about that the, the subtlety with which something important was told um that was that was yeah. truly genius yeah 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 um pratik my last question for you uh, for the show mm-hmm. is uh, uh it is going to have staying power panchayat i feel like this is the kind of show i um, yeah. like long term people will come back and discover and rediscover it there's so much good stuff now on ott and streaming in india what about panchayat will make it stand out what about panchayat will give it like you know uh, we have heard it being compared to malgudi days you know yeah uh, what about panchayat will give it a long term shelf life like malgudi days has had it's simplicity it's simplicity malgudi days like uh, whether you read the books or you watch the show it's it's there's simple stories who and all of us have gone through malgudi days i think Uh, when i read it especially when I, as a kid uh, but slightly older kid it took me back to when i was that young kid uh, this even though like there's not a whole lot of relatability but but as you said that you know we have seen these things happen and they kind of they're overarching themes as well without get, getting too heavy but i think it's the simplicity of storytelling stories are simple they're really simple stories there's no as i said before there are no twists and turns so to speak uh, there are surprises there are there are good revelations there are, but there is no like i think all of us are so i mean at least i can speak for myself i'm so fed up with like people saving the world or nuclear bombs going off somewhere or like super crime dramas you know where this i think will stand out because of its simplicity because i mean there there is foul language in certain cases which oh, by the way is handled really well because that's how people talk uh, in west western up but i think like anyone can can watch the show and like actually connect with it so I, I, that's why kids maybe not but yeah definitely like teenagers and above or right up to old people like can definitely connect with it and it's simple good wholesome storytelling Well, uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts, Pratik. And on that note, we'll close out this uh, episode. Thank you for joining me, and I'll catch you next time. A big thank you to all the guests for joining us today, and of course to all the listeners who have tuned in. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please check us out on thechakkar.com, and we are on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter at thechakkar. Until next time, chakkar ghumte raho.